Hey everyone, this is another preview, part six of the ILA, you know, Unions and the Mob series. This part we go over like the 70s, 80s, and 90s, and uh, you know, this clip does not uh, do justice to the whole episode. I really suggest becoming a patron because this series is awesome. You can become a patron at patreon.com slash workstoppage. It's the only way that we get any funding for this show, so we really appreciate that. If you can't afford that, jump in the Discord, message one of the admins, and we can hook you up. But otherwise, I hope you enjoy this preview in solidarity. And at least a dozen ILA officials were also charged with offenses such as stealing from the local by double billing for expenses, which is frankly one of the laziest forms of corruption that we've discussed in this series. Photocopying Um, your receipts and sending them in twice? mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, like literally. And at the time of these indictments, the UNIRAC investigation was the largest racketeering case in U.S. history. And one of the undercover FBI agents, who was uh, a core part of the investigation, Louis Free, would later go on to become FBI director. Boo. Boo this man. When I was talking about, you know, they were focused on making their careers, I, I, like, wasn't saying that generally. Like, literally, that's what they were doing. And, of course, though, you know, the Unirac's investigation's real target had always been, as I was alluding to before, the Port of New York. Still holding the vast majority of cargo on the East Coast, even with the decline of the port due to containerization and the shift to uh, the New Jersey side of the river, it was still the most important port under ILA control and had the longest history of mafia domination. Tony Scotto, powerful and influential head of the Brooklyn ILA, was at the heart of their investigation. Scotto had married into both the ILA and the Mafia. So when he became son-in-law to Tony Anastasio, former leader of the Brooklyn ILA, Tough Tony, who we referred to previously in the series, who was also the brother of Notorious Murder, Inc. hitman Albert Anastasia. Uh, They changed the letter at the end of the name at one point, I think, due to association with Albert. Uh, But... Despite the letter difference, same family. Uh. <laughs> Look, it doesn't matter what vowels at the end of your name as long as it's there. <laughs> Scotto's influence with New York's ruling class had just grown and grown and grown over the years. And it had Time Magazine describe him this way. In a profile written during his 1979 racketeering trial, before then going on to explain his ties to the mob. Quote, A personable and articulate man who favors $500 pinstripe suits and expensive Manhattan restaurants, Scotto has lectured at Harvard University on labor relations, serves as a trustee at the Brooklyn Academy of Music, and counts some of New York's most prominent politicians among his friends. End quote. It really reads like the introduction for a guest celebrity who's about to read you a Jeopardy answer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Our special segment this evening, following up on one we had in September of 1977, the charge was that to do business on the New York waterfront, you had to pay off Anthony Scotto, the boss of the International Longshoremen's Association. He was convicted and sentenced today to five years in prison. Here's Brian Ross. This is Teddy Gleason, the president of the International Longshoremen's Association, at a news conference earlier this month when he announced his longshoremen would boycott Russian ships. Also at the news conference, Anthony Scotto, a vice president of the union and a man believed to be the real power in the ILA. State and federal investigators say that Scotto is the mafia's man in the union, listed by the Justice Department as a capo, a captain in the Gambino organized crime family. 
Today, in federal court in New York, Anthony Scotto was sentenced to five years in prison, following his conviction last year on 33 counts of racketeering and tax evasion. Outside the courtroom, Scotto maintained his innocence. And I will use everything within my means to prove my innocence, and uh, hopefully that today will go down just as a, uh, another bad uh, dream. U.S. Attorney Robert Fisk says Scotto's conviction should do a lot to stop shakedowns and payoffs on the waterfront. It would be difficult to pick anyone in the Port of New York whose conviction could have a greater deterrent effect on this kind of activity than Anthony Scotto. Until his conviction, Scotto was one of the most politically powerful labor leaders in the country. Here he was in 1976, campaigning in Brooklyn with Jimmy Carter, at the same time FBI agents were tailing him. During Scotto's trial, the governor of New York, Hugh Carey, was one of Scotto's character witnesses. Scotto had helped to raise hundreds of thousands of dollars for Governor Carey's campaigns. And Scotto was one of the men who co-signed a bank loan for Carey's last campaign for $300,000. Governor Carey declined to be interviewed by NBC News about this. Carey has denied knowing anything about Scotto's alleged criminal activities. The FBI began its investigation of waterfront corruption five years ago. So far, the investigation has led to the indictments of more than 100 people, including shipping executives, organized crime figures, and union officers. Uh, so did they ever investigate that governor? Uh, <laughs> quick question. Did they say that he campaigned with Jimmy Carter? He did. Yes, Tony Scotto was extremely well-connected, which, frankly, is probably part of the reason he eventually got targeted. What do you mean, Uh, well-connected? Jimmy Carter's just a simple dirt-kicking peanut (laughs) farmer. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) But, yeah, I love the move of the governor of New York clearly being purchased by the, uh, <laughs> the, the really the, not Scotto, but the interest Scotto represented in the form of the Gambino crime family. And it being so powerful that even during a very public racketeering trial, he came and testified as a character witness and then refusing to do interviews about it as while you are the governor of the state. That's such a fucking bold and, but also huge dickhead move like Mm -hmm. come on you can't go do that as a public official and then just refuse to talk about it i mean it's really on its face and it like you you'd think that like getting away with that kind of stuff might have been easier back in the day because like the reporting wasn't as sophisticated Mm -hmm. they didn't have the internet whatever you listen to the clip it's like what the fuck is happening right now it's so (laughs) clear what what is the motive for him yeah, absolutely. And so, like like they said, uh, Scotto was charged and convicted on 33 federal bribery and racketeering charges while he was both head of the Brooklyn Docks and the general organizer of the ILA. Notably a position where uh, many f- alumni have since also cycled through the federal prison system. <laughs> um, and Kind of like being during- mayor of Chicago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, the- I mean, I don't know if this new one counts. No, I mean, you know, even with the um, you know, our questions about liberalism and reformism, uh, yeah, I don't think it's uh, quite the same situation there anymore. <laughs> not with a uh, not with a mayor who was backed by the CTU. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but anyway, but anyways, um, <laughs> while Scotto was simultaneously the head of, I believe, multiple Brooklyn unions uh, and the general organizer of the ILA. Uh, he took over 
$200,000 in bribes in exchange for labor peace on the docks in Brooklyn, which escalates up to over $1 million in 2023 dollars. Uh, he was convicted of taking all of that money over decades and was sentenced to five years in prison on what was originally recommended as a 20-year sentence, which is much closer to what the officials in Miami who didn't have all those uh, highly connected political friends got. Uh, And he didn't even serve the five years uh, because (laughs) he got letters that were sent to the judge from multiple former mayors of New York City and a ton of labor leaders asking for leniency. He ended up only serving three years in jail. Despite the fact that, you know, again, he was identified as a made man in the Gambino crime family. And before this investigation, he was on track to be the next ILA president to succeed Teddy Gleason. And so ultimately summarizing this period in the ILA, Operation Unirac convicted 130 union officials, shipping company officers, and mafia members outside those organizations, including 20 ILA leaders in New York, Miami, Mobile, Alabama, and Charleston, South Carolina. Unfortunately, while removing some of the most corrupt members of the ILA leadership was a good thing for the union, at no point did the investigation ever go after the root causes of this corruption in the first place and the situation that allowed it to fester, because there was never any attempt to make mandatory changes to union bylaws. This meant that there was never any increase in union democracy following these convictions, and most of the posts vacated by them were filled by friends and partners of the same corrupt schemes. The trial made a lot of careers for lawyers and FBI agents, including the aforementioned Louis Free. Uh, It made a lot of press, and perhaps in some ways deservedly dragged the name of the ILA through the mud, but it did little to actually eliminate the single greatest factor preventing reform and preventing the end of corruption on the docks, the lack of internal democracy within the ILA. And FBI reports indicated after the investigation little change in the influence of the Gambino and Genovese crime families on the New York and New Jersey docks. I don't think that we're surprised about this one. (laughs) Unfortunately, no. So, as we move on into the worst decade, the 80s, uh, the the long reign of business unionist and arch-anti-communist Teddy Gleason as ILA president continued uh, as the steady hand watching over the rapid decline of the workforce on the docks as automation and containerization steadily slashed jobs. It's too flat. 
If we don't try, if we just lie 